0: Welcome to the German Versatile Hunting Dog Files. I'm your host, Tim Moore, and the purpose of this podcast is to provide an in-depth look at the training, testing, and hunting ventures of the German Versatile Breeds. So before we get started, hit pause, go grab yourself a tall, cold glass your favorite drink, sit back, relax, and get ready to enjoy the German Versatile Hunting Dog Files. Before we get started, I'd like to give the listeners a little bit of a background or bio, if you will, about myself. I began hunting pheasants and upland over 30 years ago at the age of 10. Growing up, I hunted over mostly AKC shorthairs, and they were pure meat dogs. As long as these dogs pointed, halfway at each other, retrieved a bird within 10 feet of you, and uh, were semi-obedient, uh, nobody seemed to mind. So... When I got married, I decided that I wanted to get my own dog. Well, shortly after my new pup came home, I realized I didn't quite know as much as I thought I did about training a bird dog. So, my pup's breeder and another friend urged me to check out the local Navda chapter. Well, here we are 12 years later, and I'm on my third dog, second DK, and I've had the opportunity to learn an immense amount about training bird dogs. I've learned to appreciate different breeds, and I've even had the opportunity to share some amazing hunting adventures with some great friends. I've volunteered for various positions over the years in in the clubs, but the thing that I'm most appreciative of is being introduced to the German breeds and the DKs, as well as their testing system. I got my first DK five years ago, and I became a member of the NEDKc. Well, during the last five years, I've grown to truly appreciate and love these dogs, and what the system embodies. So, let's fast forward to today. Over the course of the last year or so, I uh, really started listening to a lot of different various hunting podcasts. And, although they occasionally mentioned the German breeds or the testing system, I felt there was a huge gap to fill about these amazing dogs. So, that's when I decided to create the German Versatile Hunting Dog Files. And, my hope is to attract new people into the system, Provide a resource library for dog owners, new and old, about the training and testing, and even toss in some entertainment value for my listeners with some hunting adventures of these amazing, versatile dogs. So, without further hesitation, what do you say we get this adventure started? Episode 1. The W's of the German Versatile Hunting Dog Breeds. Today, we're going to springboard right into things and answer the who where, why, what, and whens of the German versatile hunting dog breeds. I'm joined by Mike Murphy and Rich Rungvi today. I'd like to start off by thanking both of these guys for taking time out of their schedule and coming on the show. Back in February, I was in a phone conversation with Mike and I uh, tossed the idea out to him. I said, "What, what do you think about me starting a podcast about these German dogs? Needless to say... Um, he's been right there by my side the whole time, supportive and, uh, driving force and getting this project off the ground. And I'd, I'd really like to just say, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and Rich, as soon as he got one of this project, he also immediately jumped in with both feet and agreed to help me out in any way he could. So Rich, I'd like to thank you as well. Um, this right here is truly what I love about the clubs, the passion for these dogs and testing is contagious. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the guests and give them an opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit more about themselves as well before we get started. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you.
1: Well, first off, hey, uh, thanks, Tim, for allowing me to to co-host along with you here today or uh, I, I really uh, think this is a, a great endeavor for our club. Um, we've been associated for a number of years. You and I have been also. Um, so thanks for thanks for inv- inviting me and getting me involved with this. Um, my first, uh, uh, my, the, I guess a little bit about me would be that, uh, like you, I got my first dog when I was 10, uh, when I was 10 years old. My dad was an avid pheasant hunter. He uh, worked for Asplund Tree Company, and one of his his main duty was to go through the the middle of the the, the Midwest, Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, Missouri, all these Midwestern states, and he uh, transmission lines, he had uh, the obligation to keep the brush and the, the, all the tree growth from growing up and interfering with the, uh, the electrical services. So in that duty, he met a lot of farmers, and in doing that, he got a lot of uh, first-hand advice of where to hunt uh, and uh, and and got a lot of permission also. So that was a great advantage. Uh, he started taking me when I was a young man. And we went to a, a, a particular place in Clarence, Iowa, uh, um, back when I was a kid. And, and this guy had a dog that this farmer had a beautiful German short hair, solid liver German short hair that, Whenever we came, obviously it was harvest time for the guys in Iowa. So he couldn't go hunting, but he would let my dad take his dog out in the field. So we would go hunting and the dog was phenomenal. So I got my first taste of bird dogs at a a young age. And then when we were, one day we were heading home and the farmer came up and said, how'd you do? Dad says, yeah, we got our limit today. And uh, so I started putting birds in the back of the truck. He had a camper on the shell in the back of the truck, put the birds and guns away and the dog jumps in the back of the truck. And, and my dad says, "Well, that dog can go home with us." And that farmer said, "No, he says you can't take that one, but there's two pups up there on the steps." And uh, he said, "If you're if you're interested, you can have one of those pups." And my dad told my dad told me, "He says, well, hey, if you can pick out the male, and at the time I was ten years old, I mean I had no idea you know, the gender of a dog, let alone the specific breed, but." Yeah. I ran up to the front porch. I uh, ran, just snagged the, 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 darkest dog and I brought it back and my dad looked at it and says, yep, you got the mail. So that's, that's where it all began for me. So, I mean, and, and then I would, my dad let me train the dog. That's a whole nother story. But, uh, I mean, at a young age, you know, a kid trying to read books and trying to learn how to train the dog and not having the balls go to, I mean, we lived in town, so it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest thing, but it was pretty fun. So, uh, yeah, then I, from there, I've, I've been with with German shorthairs. Uh, and, and then obviously I graduated or I call it graduating to the, to the Deutsch Kurzhaar, And, uh, but I've had dogs for probably for the last 50 years of my life, I've been without a dog, maybe a total of six months, you know, I, you, you lose a dog or here or there and, and, you know, to replace them. I mean, you get some great dogs and you never replace them, but uh, I, I did some competition hunting for a couple of years. I had some great success with that, uh, and I started with a half DK doing that. I won the Illinois Upland Championship, the state championship, two years in a row with a, with a half DK, and then I decided I really needed to get a full DK. So, uh, And from there on, I've been uh, training with a, with a group of guys uh, here in our area um, and running dogs through tests and having a great time. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's been it's been a wonderful time with these dogs. Um, I've been involved with the NADKC uh, and with the JGHV or the J- in, in, in testing both in in the Germans. I, like you, I've been involved with NAVDETH. It's a great group of people. You know, I'm not here to to say that those dogs because they're not of a German uh, a German pedigree uh, that you know an AKC dog or a NAVDETH dog is not as good as my dog. That's not what I'm trying to do. So. Uh, but I, I do feel that, you know, once people get into the, to the, uh, the, the dogs with a, with a, uh, I don't know, a, a background, a lineage that, that you can, that you can really refer to, uh, you're, you're, you become a lot happier pet owner, dog owner. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let, let it go from there. Cause I could talk a long time. So but.
0: sure. Well, uh, you know, Mike, definitely, uh, definitely appreciate that. And, and I'm sure, uh, uh, they're going to be getting a little more of you as the episode uh, carries on here too. Uh, we're also joined by Rich Runge. Uh Rich, thank you also for coming on the show. Uh, you know, I'd like to give you an opportunity to please introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about who you are and so forth.
2: All right. Well, I got a, I got a little lit later start and I'm uh, uh, an upland hunter for about the past 43 years. I was the only one in my family that started with a dog and and uh, I kept that up uh, with the German Shorthairs and then on into the DKs. Um, I've been with the North American Deutsch Kutzar Club for the past 25 years. Uh, the last uh, 11 years as a field judge, Verbandsrichter Richter. Uh, 10 years as the breed warden for the club. And uh, about 7 years as a confirmation judge. So... I've traveled all over the United States and Mexico, and uh, even into Germany, to uh, to to learn more, to judge, to look at a lot of dogs, and that's that's it's been really really exciting for me to to see everybody's dog as puppies and as young adults, and as uh, uh, a mature you know finished utility dog. Uh, it's it's been it's been a trip uh i wouldn't my wife said uh you know why are you getting into this why are you spending so much time i thought you just wanted a good hunting dog and i said honey this is how you get a good hunting dog
0: (laughs) cheapest part of the dog is buying the dog right (laughs) yeah it is the cheapest
2: part after that it just lots of time and lots of money i had a lot of guys say boy I, you know, I've guided with my dogs and they say, boy, I want a dog just like that. And I tell them, boy, I hope you got a lot of money and a lot of time.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. (laughs) This is true. This is true. So, but, you know, and and that's, you know, that's an interesting point. You know, you don't have to, you know, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So, but, uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Rich. Definitely appreciate you being on the show with us today. Um. You know, without further ado, guys, kind of let's jump into some of the context. And, uh, you know, again, just as our, our title uh, reads, the the who, what, where, uh, when, and why of the German Versatile Hunting Dog. So I'm going to try and uh, get get us kicked off a little bit and talk about who these dogs are and, uh, you know, and, and these dogs that we're talking about, and we mentioned earlier under the JGHV system or the DKV system, and which is the, uh, and if, if I butcher this a little bit, I apologize, my German is not uh not perfect, uh, uh or or good even for that matter. But the uh the Jager Gerratzen Hunden Verabend or the uh the uh, Kutzar Verabend are the two clubs that we'll really be focused on talking a lot about. But uh, you know, do, do one of you guys want to talk to us and tell us about who these dogs are and a little bit of history and so forth? Marv, you want to start? Or you want me to?
1: Go ahead, Rich. Uh, you you, uh, you sound like you've done a lot of homework today. So I, I, mean, I have. I just <laughs>
2: wanted to try to be as accurate as possible. Uh, most The most recognizable dogs that we see uh, here in the United States are, you know, first of all, the DK, Deutsch Kutzar, there's the Deutsch Drahthar, uh, Poodle Pointers, Deutsch Longhars, uh, Kleiner Munsterlander, which is the smaller of the, uh, two Munsterlanders, um, Weimaraners, the larger Munsterlander. Those are the dogs that we, that we recognize over here a lot. The JGHV or Jakob Rasson Verband is, uh, has about 44 plus or minus of the continental pointing breeds, uh, all throughout Europe, um, you talk about not wanting to murder names. I I, I looked at this list and I was like, <laughs> wow. But I mean, they they recognize, uh, all the setters, you know, the Gordons, you know, the the English setters, the red and white setters, the red setters, mm-hmm. you know, um, English pointers, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. There, there, there's more. Uh, I'll mention the the Deutsch Stechelhauer mm-hmm. uh, only because this is. Uh, one of the dogs that make up uh, the deutsch Stauder. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Germany, the deutsch Stauder is the most popular breed, but it's one of of all the breeds that I just mentioned. It's it's one of the newer ones, and it's been around over a hundred years. So, I mean, the breeds that I mentioned all started in the in the mid to latter eighteen hundreds. You know, and I don't want to get off.
0: Sure, sure. And, and you know, we kind of touched into who, you know, when we're looking at who these dogs are, we've kind of touched into, you know, uh, what breeds are encompassed in there. You mentioned a lot of them and and kind of uh, slammed that one home. Um, You know, but when we were, I think what I was asking more so, uh, Murph, maybe you want to tag in on this. You know, when we look at like who the dogs are, as far as like the, the the versatility end of them, you know, why were these dogs, and again, I don't want to get too far into where we're going to the next questionnaire, but the who who are these dogs? What are the versatile dogs in Germany, and why why do these dogs exist and so forth? So,
1: Well, the, the history as I see it is, and and just like you and Rich, I've had conversations with a lot of our German friends that come over here to actually judge our dogs. Um, they'll explain... Why the testing? How it developed? Uh, you know, I mean, for what reasons and and why we developed these dogs? Um, why there's only one command when you send a dog on a task? Why you can't give repetitive commands? I mean, uh, and and I guess the whole who thing is is you know is it, it it all revolves around why they were why they were developed? You know, I mean, we talked. Uh, before this conversation, I don't want to be repetitive about anything here. So sometimes as, as we talk about things on this, on this podcast, it's stuff that we've talked about before but it's, you know, I mean, the dogs, as far as testing the dogs, uh, that's the reason that the Germans needed a dog that could do so many different things. To this day, these dogs in Germany, it's not like hunting is not in Germany or in a lot of the European countries like it is in America. In America, you can go to Walmart, get yourself your hunting license. And if you're younger than me, you're required to have, uh, I think, some education behind that. But uh, it's Mm -hmm. it's a very short course. In Germany, there's uh, all kinds of different prerequisites before you can even acquire a hunting license. And then you have to have your own place to hunt, which you are responsible to keep all the game off of. So these dogs have been developed to, I mean, for, for several different things. I mean, they one dog doesn't just, uh, you know, it it doesn't just do a solitary task. Uh, your dog is expected to do it all. So, I mean, and we're talking about water work, forest work, and field work, everything that falls in those three gamuts. And then mm-hmm. the Germans also use them for protection. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that it's that way anymore. But as far as the versatility of the dogs, the who is you know, they're the dogs that have been developed over literally hundreds of years. Some of the breeds are much older. They're all European dogs, but the German dogs have the notoriety, you know, like the Klein Munsterlanders that they're from Germany, the 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 So I mean, the the from what I've read and and the history that I've followed, and I'm not a great historian, but as the the Kurtzauers came out, they were they were developed and said, okay, these dogs are going to be the German Short-haired Pointing and Retrieving dogs because so they need to drop the retrieving name off of it. Now, as you know it today, we've dropped off the pointer. As if you look at your Navda pedigrees, they're German Short-haired Pointers, but if you look at our our German registry, it's just a Deutsch Kurzauer or a German Short hair because they don't want to just narrow it down to a pointer these dogs are who they are is everything they do all all facets they do uh blood tracking they do the pointing the retrieving the water work the, the you know everything that that uh, an american sportsman wants you're going to get out of this dog i mean i and, and i'm not just talking about the the Kurtzauer. i'm talking about a lot of these breeds and, and as as you guys know I've seen a lot just like you guys. I really enjoy going to the tests, watching the dogs and and uh, and, and I, I I'm I'm passionate about the, the, the Kurtzars, but the Drought Hours, the Munsterlanders, they all bring they all bring good traits to the table. I mean, all these all the dogs that Rich mentioned. So uh, I don't know. I, I hope that kinda, you know, puts a little bit of extra emphasis on it. But
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of where, you know, we were talking about, you know, prior to this, I know you and I had a conversation of, of, uh, of understanding and, and try to explain to people too. And I've talked to people and I said, well, you know, what's a versatile dog. And, you know, a versatile dog to me is a, a dog you can, uh, go out and, 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 uh, puddle jump some ducks with and shoot it. And then, you know, the sun's, uh, almost head over your head and take it to some, uh, sorghum or, uh, CRP land and, and chase some ditch chickens with it or sharp tails. And, and then, uh, as you're uh, putting a nightcap on and your buddy calls you and said, Hey, I I downed a nice 12 point buck, you know, you're grabbing your tracking lead and heading out the door and, and away you go. And you're, you're blood tracking a deer for them. So, uh, they really can switch gears, um, you know, in a blink of an eye. And that, that's, that's what, uh, really lends to their versatility. Sure does. It's, it's, uh,
1: it's it's really a blessing, and and you know the, these these dogs have have inspired a lot of guys that that might not have wanted to be a hunter, but you know I, I and I'm like Rich. I've been out uh, in, in, even on public hunting grounds. I've been out as a guide. I've been out with friends, and uh, and, and there's nothing better than having somebody see your dog, uh, you know, track a, a wounded a wounded bird, uh, you know, 200 yards, and and be able to come up and and you're able to harvest that game which you wouldn't have been able to do without that you know without that dog so i mean those things uh you know the versatility of these dogs is it's it's just phenomenal so
0: true true absolutely correct (laughs) and uh rich would know he's definitely uh, like i said he he uh he was elbows deep in books earlier which uh you know he said uh that was uh he got kind of confused he had to take a nap actually for a while, like <laughs> but he told me on the phone earlier, so so I woke him up from his nap about six o'clock, which was pretty good, so I'm sure his wife appreciated it. get a get a little dinner in him before we get started here so um but uh yeah you know and and again, I know Rich talked about the breeds that are encompassed in the JGHV and the DKV and um you know and and primarily our focus is on the german uh breeds but I know in later episodes we've we've talked and, uh, you know, had the the concept to uh, talk about some of the other breeds, the the Brocks or the Spinonis or or different breeds like Rich mentioned, some of the Setters and so forth like that. So I think that'll be a treat for us as we, we get further down the road to discover other breeds or other, uh, uh, breeds that were developed in different continents and, and, uh, uh, countries and so forth. So, um, but anyway, uh, as we move forward here and we, we talked a little bit like where these dogs were developed and I know, uh, maybe Rich could, could give us a little more insight. I know some of the dogs were developed more in different parts of Germany based on the needs of hunting, uh, in, in Southern Germany, their hunting is a little different than in Northern Germany. Right, Rich?
2: Yeah, that is correct. I think in southern Germany, you have the larger game, uh, the red stag, uh, the Russian boar, um, so you need a little beefier dog, a dog that that has a little more tenacity uh, when you're when you're hunting that type of game, and and tracking and, and baying game. So it, it it's a little different than say. The small game that they hunt up north, um, yeah, they have uh, ray buck, which is a smaller deer. I mm-hmm. think we have dogs as big as those deer, and mm-hmm. and and hare, and partridge, and pheasant. You know, so you don't need quite as tenacious a dog, you know, when you're hunting smaller game as you do, you know, down south, down mm-hmm. southern Germany. So you you have a tendency. And it's something to, to keep in mind, you know, if you're deciding to import a dog, that you ask your breeder, you know, what they hunt, and and uh, because you you would naturally breed a tougher dog, you know, absolutely. You're hunting Russian boar, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you have a dog that's uh, will will run run one down and 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 bay it and keep it. There till the hunters get there.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: that's that takes quite a dog. I mean, it's it's kind of like comparing the Labrador Retriever to a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Mm-hmm. Know, there's, there's the chassis are bred for tougher conditions. They're a tougher dog all the way around. I mean, it's you know, and that's that's similar even within a breed of dog. You know, you, you have to look at that. That's always something to, to, to consider if you're going to be important, a dog, and, and what you. And there's guys over here that hunt hog. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and that's, if that's what you do, there's guys that have talked to me about hunting mountain lion and bobcat. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's a little different. But you know, you you definitely need a, a tougher dog, one that's not going to back down. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't see that very often. But I I have had people talk to me about that. Okay, and, okay, and it's it's uh you know makes you think a little bit, thinking, well, you know, I'm not sure I breed that tough a dog. So,
0: well, yeah, you know, and that and again, like you said, you know, you're really going to want to find the the right dog for you, and that's not the that's not the, the, that's the, that's the point zero one percent of, of, of what's out there, you know, as far as what people are looking for, you know, everybody wants to, uh, you know, talk more about the, uh, what, you know, when they look for an upland dog or what we hunt in America, I should say mostly upland and some rabbit and stuff like that. And, uh, you and know, waterfowl. And waterfowl as well the waterfowl too, right. I know there's, there's a lot of guys and, uh, hopefully, uh, one of our, uh, upcoming, uh, guests, uh, that, well, I'll leave nameless at this point, uh, cause I haven't got a confirmation from him yet, but, uh, hopefully he'll be on here and he'll be able to talk more about his adventures with the waterfall with his dog. So, um, he does, oh, does yeah. a lot of waterfall fun well, with him. So we,
2: we talked about blood tracking sure. a couple of times. Yeah, blood tracking is, uh, a, a new thing. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of States now that are adopting it mm-hmm. and I think it's a, it, I think it's a great thing because. You know, the whole idea about using a versatile dog is to conserve game. Sure. So you're not killing game and leaving it afield, you know. So if we if you have a dog that you can, you know, uh, get up in the morning, like you said, and wade out and shoot some ducks, uh, you know, sitting on a muskrat hut, come back to the edge of the water and pack your waders up on your backpack and, and hunt pheasant and, and grouse all the way back to your car and blood track later on that night. Mm-hmm. What else could you ask for?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and uh, you know, like I said, we we talked about um, you know the the north and south and stuff like that. But when when were these breeds developed? I mean, what what is the oldest breed? Uh, could you could you tell me that? Either you guys,
2: I, I'm not sure. Uh, most most of the ones I mentioned were all developed in in the the mid to late 1800s. And, and I believe, you know, we, we visited, uh, earlier on about, you know, when, uh, after the French revolution, you know, the, the, the hunting rights pretty much opened up to the common person Mm -hmm. and the common person couldn't have a fleet of dogs or, you know, a kennel full of dogs. He had to have, you know, a dog that could do what it needed to do. And I think all over Europe, that started happening as the, the common folk were able to, to hunt, you know, uh, the royals, you know, they, everything kind of evened out. And, and then, you know, the versatile dog became something that everybody needed. And, and you know, you, but you couldn't keep maybe one or two of these dogs instead of 15 or 20 of, of the specialists, you know, your retrievers mm-hmm. or your pointers or your blood tracking dogs. So I think at that time, people started, you know, all over Europe, but in Germany, it, it even went by regions you now because a lot of these dogs were developed really close to the same period of time. Um, I know the DK a little bit better than the others. And I know some of the, the first recorded, uh, breed books and stuff, you know, go back, you know, to 1870 when, when a lot of these breeders started to develop the DK, you know, and it wasn't like what we know it now. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it, everybody had their own idea, I think, because, you know, there's, there's different people did this and different people that did that, you know, and until they, they finally, developed a dog that it, that everybody could agree on, you know, at that point. And, well, and then, you know.
1: Nobody agrees yet, Rich. I don't think. No, no. no, no, I know. But, I mean. <laughs> we, well, we still don't, don't <laughs> agree. We, we, we look and as we look at dogs today, everybody's got a different preference and everything else. But I agree with Rich that, you know, the, the first dog that, according to the book that I have in front of me right now, was uh, of, of the DK line was Hector he was the number one dog he was he was registered as number one in the first zook book so mm-hmm. and, and that and that dog i think i'm not sure but i think he was owned by prince um, prince solms and and uh, and i'm not, i'm not 100% sure but and the literature that i've read over the years they they you know they they give a i think there's four different breeds that they they talk about the short hair uh, the the Kurtz are coming out of um, mm-hmm. and, and they, th- it all started just like Rich said, from, from the time that royalty was no longer the only people that could hunt. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's when things became, uh, a little more necessitated to have a dog that could do more so that you didn't have to have a bloodhound. You didn't have to have a, a foxhound. You didn't have to have a beagle. You didn't have to have a pointer. You didn't have to have, you know, uh, a, a, a lion dog. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, could, you could use, uh, the, the peons like us uh, that couldn't afford to have uh, you know a whole 100 a dog kennel sitting out there and people tending to the dogs but whenever we wanted to go hunting like the royals could well the mm-hmm. peons the peons then they decided that they you know they needed to have a dog that could do it all and that's what a lot of these european breeds were made for and that's why you know we're calling them the german breeds And the, and that's where they ended up a lot of them but they started out the span in spain and france in and you know i mean all these european countries had you know i, I mean england england you know that the english pointer was uh was a substantial dog in 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 these these uh, pre pre purebred breedings and when they started crossing these mixes in here so the the so with with the evolution of of the uh, royalty not being the only people that could hunt and then in about the middle of the 17 like 1750s uh, the shotgun became a lot more prevalent that's what people were using to harvest this game it became very essential for your dog to be able to go up point game locate game and then after the shot retrieve the game so mm-hmm. these dogs were doing all kinds of things you know i mean back in the day you'd have a dog that was a duck dog that was out uh, you know uh, retrieving ducks for you and and then you'd have a dog that was a pheasant dog out pointing pheasant for you and and we don't do that now. We have a duck dog that that will also point pheasants. So, uh, I mean, but you know, I mean, today we don't think about how long it took to you know that for the shotgun to evolve to where it is. You know, I mean, that's pretty nice to set that you know that that Ithaca up on your shoulder and shoot some some of them boss shells. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's the uh, the evolution of this whole thing. You know, I mean, we have a lot to 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 say of, as as compliment our, our forefathers. I mean, they they made it to the point to this day that that uh, we're able to carry on what they've done. You know, as as a club, uh, at, you know, and and to get your any any of these breeds to get your dog to a breed status is a big deal. You know, I mean, uh, you you don't just go out. These dogs aren't just uh, you know you don't just go out and willy nilly breed. You have to have credentials behind your dog before it's able to breed. You know, and there's there's and that's a whole other gamut of, of, of conversation, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, getting a dog and training it. I mean, to to keep this breed going and and taking the very best and, and keeping to, uh, putting those to the forefront and, and, uh, you know, Rich has told me a hundred times, there's not, there the perfect dog doesn't exist, but by God, I think I got a close one. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, uh, everybody loves their dog. That that's for sure. And, and I think that, uh, you know, some people get to a certain training level with their dog and, and they're, uh, they're more than content with it. And that's fast, fantastic. And some people, uh, you know, want to go to the next level or do different things. And and like we talked about, you know, and you mentioned, uh, um, you know, the, the history and the background on them. And I think that's one thing that uh, is, is extremely attractive about these dogs and, and the breeds themselves is, you know, for example, and I, and I don't want to keep falling back to the DK, but it's something I'm very familiar with and I can I can you know, relate. Um, you know, when I look at the Anantafel, I can read that Anantafel and I can go back five generations and I know that every single dog on that on has been tested with the minimum requirements to, for breed eligibility, meaning their their breed test on uh, has passed them. They've had a confirmation rating. Um, they've had their hips evaluated. I know that uh the the drought I believe, and uh and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Munsterlanders also require elbows at this point. Um, and I think that the, the 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 Kurtzars are gonna require that sometime in the future here. Um that the, the bite is correct. Uh, so forth that uh, they have the you know good temperament and they have to like I said they have to pass all these certifications in order to be approved a breed so that when you when you take a puppy and you bring a puppy home from a from a breeder in the system um, you know that that dog is vetted that every single dog on that pedigree is vetted and, and has been through all that so um, it's a very very attractive thing um, and you know when we just touching in that a little bit uh, um, Rich can you Give us kind of an, I don't want to go too in depth on it, but can you give us a kind of a, a quick rundown of the uh, main tests in the JGHV and the DKV uh, and what they are, real quick?
2: Yeah, the uh, the JGHV tests start with what they call a VJP, and I'm not going to try to pronounce all that either, but it's a, a youth test. Um, it it uh, exhibits the dog's uh, field search, you know, use of nose, uh, search you know, desire, cooperation, pointing, and then they also do a live rabbit track uh, where the dog is put on a fresh trail of a rabbit, and they judge the dog's willingness to stay with the track, the use of nose on that track, so it's it's a pure natural ability test. Uh, they go on to what they call the HZP, which is a, a still a natural ability test, but it's it's the fall test, and this is the test that that uh, is taking your young dog and creating a usable hunting dog. When you get done with this test, your dog should reliably be able to retrieve on land and on water, and 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 hunt and hold game for you. You know, so when you're done with this test, and that's what that's what I tell everybody. You know. Uh, if you're looking for a good hunting dog, you have to put the time into the dog. Mm-hmm. And if you have a goal to do this test, when you get done, you have exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. You have a usable hunting dog. The one thing we, I don't think we've touched on uh, with all the versatility of these dogs is that they're also a great house dog. They're a great pet, a great family dog.
0: Um, unless you got a puppy crying in the background, like I do over there, I don't know if you guys can hear <laughs> yeah, that. So, yeah, I see, the, she's probably, probably not enjoying her kennel time right now, but that's yeah. okay. Well, that's they, they all have to be great, <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. The other dog got one more piece of kibble than she did, or something, or, exactly.
2: You know. So, um, the DKs, uh, it's it's basically a similar uh spring test, uh, maybe without the rabbit track, uh, because our dogs. our our field dogs they're they're um before the gun i mean yes they're they're natural retrievers and that too but their their forte is the search and the use of nose and the point they're they're there to find the game for you so they they have um the qualities that we look for in a dk is is a, a bigger bolder search you know and and uh uh a long nose and a hard point. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what, that's what we look for when we're testing our dogs. You know, the fall test again is, is a lot of retrieving on the land and water. Um, When you get done with this dog, you can hunt it. You should be able to approach your dog and the dog hold long enough for you to get in to decent gun range to harvest the bird. And then the dog would, would naturally go pick it up and retrieve it to hand. Okay. So, you know, there are further tests in the JGHV that aren't breed tests. Uh, The VGP is a master utility test, which, again, when you reach that level, even training to that level, you have a different dock. Um, You know, testing it, I, I tell people, you know, just to finish a VGP is a task. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A prize, whether it's a prize three, prize two, or a prize one, you've got you have probably in the top ten percent of the dogs in the nation, trained to that level and will hunt at that level for you. Uh, the obedience on those dogs are are immaculate. I mean, they're just. Um, I can talk from experience. I've 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 hunted over. I had a brace of EGP dogs and guided with them, and you know it, they're just. So much nicer dogs to, to work with. Are they perfect? No, um, but they're they're just you know um, the the uh, DKV has a uh, IKP International Kutsar Perfung, which is a a step above a Solms. Um, the the Clayman, the KS that everybody covets, Kutsar Seeger. That's the creme de la creme. That's the cherry on top of the whipped cream. I mean, even to get there, you have so many tests that you have to, to qualify for. Mm-hmm. You have to Derby one, Solms or AZP one, VGP mm-hmm. one. You either do a blood 20-hour blood track or you do a VBR, which is a, another Jakob test on the wounded hair. Mm-hmm. And for, uh,
1: I just want to interject that I, I think you kind of glanced over it, but the, the VJP and the HZP, and which are JGHV tests and the derby and the Psalms are all in the f- first breed year of the dog. You can't just breed you can't just run those tests anytime you want. Nope. You have to run those tests in, in during that first year. And then uh the DKV has the AZP test which is uh similar to the Psalms, only more stringently judged I think and that you can do for a dog that couldn't get through the Psalms. but those there, there's a time there's a time issue for those. So, uh, I mean, it kind of shows you the development of those dogs and how quickly they develop, because if you're going to do it in the first breed year, or if you're mandated to do it, in the first breed year, you're, you have to do it. doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't give you much flexibility to say, well, I'll just do it next year. I, you know, it's not like a nav to utility test that you can go time and time again it's it's a test that has to be done in a you know in in the time frame set up so i think that's an important thing to to kind of mention so it just, i just and, and you only get two shots at each test
0: correct right
2: right so, so that's that's important you don't you can't just keep retesting the dog till you pass you get mm-hmm. two opportunities at VJP two opportunities at derby two opportunities at Solms. Two at HCP, to at VGP, you know, uh, to at AZP. Correct,
0: That's it. A- a- AZP. If, if I'm not mistaken, from what I understand, mm-hmm. was really developed for either a, a female that was in season and unable to perform uh, the test, or a dog injured, um, or a dog that was uh, just not matured, you know, at that given time to complete the test. So
2: late, late uh, puppies. You get mm-hmm. temperate puppies that, you know, by the time they get ready to run a Solms test, or you know, a year or less, um, that's tough. Sure. You know, sure. Really tough on a young dog and some dogs can't take the pressure.
0: So. Sure. And, and then you talked about the breed years, just a, a quick clarification for them. So, so our breed year, uh, is, is October to the end of September, October one to the end of yes. September. So, so given, um, you know, the, the situation a dog that's born at the end of September, like Rich talked about would be required to run these tests the following spring and fall, which that dog would be very young at that point. So you're talking a dog that's approximately seven months oldish to run a VJP, which is not out of the question, but again, depending on the area of the country you live in and the snow cover and the opportunity to get out there and expose the dog early on. I mean, you have a dog that's October-ish, you know, born in, in September, you're not going to get a chance to hunt that dog. That dog's not really going to have much hunting experience. There. We're a dog that's born in December or January is in the next breed year now, and obviously you're going to get a whole season underneath that dog to hunt it and get it out and more exposure and stuff like that. And you, you talked about the, uh, the IKP the, uh, and, the, and the KS and the the NAKP, I think you mentioned, but there's also uh, on the JGHV side, there's also the Oberlander and the Hegewald. Um Now, the Oberlander is an open test to any dogs that have qualified in the JGHV system, correct? Yeah. It,
2: it, 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 it is. is. But it's, it's still an just an HZP. Correct. It's yeah. it's a, a, a HZP. Uh, both Hegewald and
0: and the Overlander are both HZPs. Right. Isn't isn't the Hegewald, isn't that Only allowed for uh, DDDs. Correct. Uh, the
2: Hagerwald, the or or the the Armbruster is what you're talking about.
0: The Armbruster is
2: is for for DDDs. Correct. So they, is, but the, the Overlander, Oberlander is, all is
0: open. To all. The JGHV affiliated dogs, correct? Okay, okay, and uh, you know, and I think we, we talked about you know traditions with the with the hunting and stuff earlier too. And one thing is neat is if you guys haven't uh, had a chance, any of the listeners, um, you know, uh, or are familiar with uh, the plus horns when they use the plus horns for hunts, um, they actually have signals with the plus horns to uh, to let them know that they're either gathering the hunters or or what you know if a uh, animal's been shot and they need to call the dogs in for tracking and so forth like that and then to end the hunt and celebrations too so um you know this stuff definitely runs uh very deep and uh they do a lot of uh, the horn intros at some of the tests and so forth like that too so it's kind of kind of neat to experience that
2: it is it's very traditional and and uh you know nowadays we just use walkie talkies (laughs) so. <laughs> cell phone. but yeah, well, I, I've been around the horns and it, it is something special. And that was how they communicated.
0: Sure. So. Sure. Yeah. Right now we just, uh, we hope to slap three, uh, triple batteries in there. Right. And then, then if one of your judges actually takes a radio with you, you wind up getting it back in the mail about a week later. Isn't that right, yeah. Rich? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but without the brand new Duracell batteries I just put in it. Thanks buddy. <laughs> So, uh, you know, guys, uh, that, that's great. Um, you know, uh, I, I kind of want to, uh, start moving towards the end here. Um, and I want to ask uh, each of you guys a couple questions as we, as we begin to wrap up. So, uh, uh, Murph, we'll start with you. Um, why did you choose a, a German versatile hunting dog, you know, and the breeds? And I know you talked a little bit about it earlier, but go ahead and give us a, a little more on that. Well,
1: for me, um, uh, my cohort here on the show, Rich Runge is, is, is the guy that really introduced me to these dogs. Um, I had lost a, a good hunting dog and we were doing, uh, I believe it was a, a Navda fun hunt or something. I don't remember. And I, I had entered and my dog had passed and, and Rich was, you know, he was, he was, uh, enjoying Navda at the time, which I, I think he's kind of, he's backed out of that, but, but he was enjoying Navda at the time. And he, and I, I had to, call up and say, I'm not going to make it. And Rich said, uh, hey, I, hey, you can use my dog. Come on, let's let's just go have some fun. So me and a, another friend of mine uh, took Rich's dog and took the dog out. And the dog was just, I mean, it was phenomenal. It was, she was a great dog. She did more than I had ever anticipated the dog would do. And uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I ended up uh, winning the, the, the competition with his dog, I think, and, and uh, it's been, like I said, that's been a number of years ago, and I told Rich, I got to have one of these dogs, I got I to have one of these dogs, and, and uh, Rich said, well, can you afford it? And I said, probably not, but I got to have me one of these dogs, so Rich was really the reason I got started, and after I did, you know, for a new person coming in like I was, and like, you know, I mean, you're relatively new, I mean, it mm-hmm. takes a while to, to start to catch on what these tests are all about. I mean, you can go to NAVDA and you can catch on pretty quick. But if you start talking about an HZP and a Solms test and a BTR and, and all these you know, different, different fashions of tests, you, you get lost real quick. So you got to have somebody that can help you out. And I, I was lucky enough to have Rich. He's, uh, he's been a, you know, a mainstay in, in our area and, as far as and he's kind of uh, evolved to this guy that wants to produce enough puppies for his group of people. Uh, he's not trying to sell dogs. He's not trying to, you know, uh, to to make a living selling dogs. Uh, he breeds when he wants a dog, and if he's got extra dogs, he wants to put them where he can get to them. and And I, I was so intrigued by that. I've, I've tried to follow that to some degree. Although I don't mind making a buck or two if I can to try to offset some of the costs, but uh, but for the most part. Uh, it, it's because I was introduced to them, and if you've got a friend, you know, I mean, I, I can't say enough about the clubs, you know, being willing to help if, if you need it training days. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, uh, we overlap into NAVDA with a lot of stuff and, and most of the people that I, that are in my NAVDA club have, you know, I'd say over half of them have German versatile hunting dogs. And that means we test in a lot of the same venues. And I think it's that way nationwide, that if if you're in NAVDA, you're going to know somebody that's got a dog that's going to test in the German system. And if you're in the German system, you're going to know guys that are in the German system that are also testing in NAVDA. And I cross over and do both. So, but yeah, my choice was pretty easy. I'd had short hairs all my life. This Kurt Sauer is supposed to be a better dog. And so far, I've not been disappointed. So I guess, guess, you know, uh, trying to to wrap it up quick enough. But yeah, I've had some great dogs and, and, uh, and, uh, the Kurtzars are right at the top of the list. So take it from there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Rich. And for you, sir.
1: Well, uh, I
2: was the only bird hunter in my family. And when I was looking for the dogs, I, you know, I had read all the old books. I was a big Irish setter fan, but then I come to realize that, you know, all that hair, was going to create a problem with, you know, our, our area, the, uh, the, the briars and uh, the uh, cockle burrs and burdocks. And so I, I was, I, I had to kind of step back from old big red book and, in in Irish red. And I had to, I had to really look at uh, a dog that was going to work for me. And, and I needed that wash and wear dog, that one that, you know, you could brush off. And the dog would keep hunting. He had a harsh enough coat to to handle the cold and the water. Um, so I, I I really end up settling on the German short hair. And, and when I started out, I was 19 years old with my first one and, and uh, training all on my own and figuring that out. But, uh, you know, as as the farther I got into it, I realized that, you know, that there there were better dogs out there and then i think what happened to me is i one of my dogs had uh hip dysplasia and i was really bummed out and i had uh found out that that was you know fairly rampant in in the german short hair at this time over here and i was that was bummed out because i really thought i had the right dog and then somebody said well have you tried a dk and i said what's a dk and they, they explained to me it was the German bred German Shorthair and everything that the dog had to do to qualify to breed. And I'm like, voila, I found my better built German Shorthair. And I've been with them ever since. And uh, I've never looked back. Um, you know, I have judged a, a lot of the German breeds. And, and there, there's tons of them out there that are great dogs. But for me... I like my wash and wear dog. At the end of the day, I take my gloves and I run it down his back and all the burrs come off and I don't have to comb their beards out. And you know, and the one thing that got me, one of the guys said, just just take this big jar of Vaseline and just grease that I uh, grease my Irish setter up and I looked at him, I said, You gotta be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I that's why I, you know, I got my wash and wear dog. No, you know, Vaseline and my dog.
0: Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Hey, Murph, go ahead and uh do do everybody a favor and are listening a favor and uh I want you to share your best hunting story with us uh, of of your uh German versatile hunting dogs here.
1: <laughs> well, man, I don't know that I have a best, but I've got a ton of good ones. I mean, I I, I don't know. You know, one of the, one of my favorites is it, it revolves around last year. You know, last year was a bucket list thing for me, Tim. I was able to go sharp tail hunting with you, and uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, uh, we we got there the early that that day in South Dakota, and went, met up with our Indian guide, Chief Running Late. And, uh, we had a, we had, you know, we, had, we were waiting for a couple other guys and we asked if we could go air our dogs out, take them outside of town and air the dogs out. And you're, you, you can, you can vouch for this. So this is why I'm telling this story. Sure. Um, we all got, we all got out of the truck, uh, where we drove, uh, 15, 20 minutes down the road, uh, wherever this guy took us to, the guy took us out and we all followed him and, and got out and it looked like it was, I mean, cow pasture that I, you know, I, I, what if I was in Iowa, I would look at this and go, there's no way I'm going to hunt this. Well, he said, well, I'd go over here and go over here. And he kind of pointed out some areas and told us where to go. And uh, lo and behold, went out, took my little my little one year old pup. And by the time I got back to the truck, I had three sharp tails, which I'd never even seen one before, let alone shot one. I had three sharp tails inside of an hour with my dog and she retrieved all three of them for me, which was a great thing. I, I, and I and, uh, came back to the truck and everybody's, you know, did you get any? I, yeah, I got my limit. And, <laughs> and the, and the guide goes, no, you didn't. I said, yeah, I did. And, and he, I pulled him out and he's like, Oh, by God, you did. He said, that is one sweet dog. You got there. He didn't say anything about me shooting the birds. He, 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 it. And he said, that is one sweet dog. You know, and, and, and he was really impressed by our whole field of dogs the whole time we were there. So I mean, it's just you know, it was a guy that that guides for for a living, and he's like, "What what kind of dogs are these?" You know, I mean, sure. so, a- so absolutely, yeah, we, we had a good time there, but I, you know, I was able to to give you guys the raspberries over that about you know nobody, I don't think anybody else harvested a bird that 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 day that you and know still that.
0: No, no, we, we definitely got Spielschwein that day. That's for sure. I'll tell you, you know, and, uh, it, uh, well, we, we, we definitely put some, uh, put some lead at him that day, uh, on a couple occasions, but, uh, just, we're, we're short of the mark of, uh, of putting any on the stringer, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> but that, that was a good trip. That was a good trip with some great friends, some great dogs, and, uh, and definitely some great memories. Uh, uh, thanks for sharing that with us, Rich, uh, about your uh, best or favorite hunting story behind your dogs
2: i i've had so many it's it's hard to pick out just one um geez i i think maybe the one day i actually hunted in the rain and i always tell people i don't hunt in the rain Mm -hmm. i just don't because you know in in we shot one rooster and it Dropped over the fence and took off running toward this farmer's house. And I got the dog after it. And then I realized that I think the rooster was going to make it to the farmer's house. And the farmer had chickens. And I'm thinking, I just sent my dog into a whole yard full of chickens. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm fretting it. And I turn around and back he come with that rooster, still alive and retrieved it to hand it was the only bird we got that day we got soaking wet and to that day i've never hunted in the rain but that was <laughs> that was just one of many many uh times that we've been out and and, and hunted uh, murph and i have hunted a lot together and and off and on and a couple other of our groups around here you know we have our little nucleus of guys uh dk guys and and uh you know it's just we we try to make the best of every trip afield i mean that's what it's all about is getting out and having fun with your friends and and hunting over good dogs
0: absolutely absolutely and i think uh i think you know like you say there, there's so many so many stories that you can talk about you can tell and memories that come up and uh you know i, I think uh, mike said something earlier in the podcast uh, or maybe it was you rich that that mentioned about a, a dog tracking a crippled bird. And I think that's, that's probably one of my fondest memories of, 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 a hunt is, uh, is watching the dog, uh, work a crippled bird. I mean, it's just, uh, and I've seen it time and time again, but it, it never, never fails to impress you. You know, you, you wing a bird or you knock it down and, and this bird is, is, uh, is hunkered down and, these dogs noses just track it and and find it and point it again and again it's just uh every single time it's uh your your heart kind of flutters every time you hear them wings flap come up and uh somebody yells rooster or sharpie or chicken or or whatever it is or porcupine for that matter your heart flutters a little bit you know so we we did actually uh murph talked about that trip we were on last year and uh of the second seven porcupines we ran into, four of them were pointed. So, um, just uh, shows you the true versatility. <laughs> well, or here, maybe, sorry,
1: Tim. Tim, what, what's, <laughs> give, come on. Uh, you've uh, you've pried us for our stories now. Let's 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 hear a little. Give me a give me a good memory for you with that. Grant Grant's been a great dog. I, I've hunted over him, and I know he's got more capabilities than you've put than you've put forth on the table today. So, yeah, well, let's hear something <laughs> I... from your
0: side. I, I do appreciate that. And I think, uh, uh, probably, uh, one of the, uh, the, the fondest memories I, I have with him is, uh, like you said, uh, just being out there and, and, uh, seeing him, we were out West last year and, uh, watching him, uh, be able to adapt to different terrain. Uh, we are 15 minutes in the hunt. The dog had never hunted, uh, any pasture land like that before. Um, you know, and 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 here we are, and he's pointing a sharp tail fifteen minutes into the hunt. So, uh, it was pretty amazing. Unfortunately, uh, and I still blame it on the fact that I was shooting a new gun. But uh, I put two at it and behind it on both shots, and uh, it wasn't my fault. And uh, the dog <laughs> dog stood there and looked back at me like, seriously, what just happened there?
1: Because
0: <laughs> you just drug me in a car for fifteen hours and you miss. So, <laughs> uh, wow. but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, think was... I. What's that?
1: I said, that was, that was an adventure. That was, that was uh, purely an adventure. That was, that was a good time. I, I mean, uh, and yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. You know, I, had $738 later after a snake bite, you know, I'm, I'm back and my dog's ready to go they, at 24 hours later. She's ready to go hunting again after a snake bite. So yeah, they are, they're resilient.
0: <laughs> At, they're stoic is, is a good way to put it you know these dogs they, they don't quit you know and, and that's all hunting dogs it's not just not just these breeds so anybody out there that that has hunting dogs has is, is hunted behind them their entire life where you know uh it's a testament to these dogs and what they do for us and 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 every time that they uh come off that tailgate and uh, hit the fields for us so uh it's definitely um definitely appreciative uh i think that's probably my favorite thing now is that, you know, growing up, I always cared about setting my bag limits and hitting them. Um, and as I get older now, I just enjoy watching the dogs more than I, uh, uh, have bag limits, unless I'm hunting with the spiel swine, of course, then, then that's a whole other story. So, <laughs> and for, for the listeners who haven't caught onto that yet, that, that, that is the name of, uh, uh Mike Murphy's kennel is vom Spielswine. So, um, and, and Mike, would you like to translate what that means exactly?
1: That, that's a whole nother story. We'll talk about it in a future podcast. So. <laughs> well, that and, and means
0: know, I have done. to have you back on another episode in a soon uh, future. that would so. be great. But, be uh, great. Fan, fantastic. Well, guys, thanks for coming on today. I can't thank you guys enough for your time tonight. Uh, and in the past several weeks, getting everything going. Um, your support and getting this podcast started has been instrumental to me and, uh, and an inspiration. I hope all our listeners out there have enjoyed the pilot episode of the German Versal Hunting Dog Files and uh that we've answered a few questions uh for you about these dogs um you know on the next episode we'll be taking a little bit more of an in-depth look into the JGHV and the DKV system uh and talking more about the various tests in each system uh and the components of them uh we won't go too far in depth on those because they'll be all broken down into uh some of the uh, slated episodes uh upcoming as we uh break into the spring test and talk to some of the judges and how they're evaluated and so forth like that but i definitely hope everybody enjoyed the the show tonight and that i hope you'll take a minute and uh like us on facebook and uh click the subscribe button on uh on your uh, podcast uh, uh player there and listen to us in the future uh, until then happy hunting guys and thanks a lot guys have a good evening
1: Stop.